Or if you have your Bibles, turn to a key chapter in the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. Brother Lamar gave me this announcement, and I don't know if it's appropriate for this group or not, but I'm going to give it anyway, as we did in the youth meeting. Tomorrow is Bring Your Bible to School Day. Ask all students in the Master Club and church to take their Bibles to school. So uh, if y'all are still in school, you're slow learner, learners, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Amen. Maybe there's one student here. Amen. But anyway, uh, remind your kids to take the Bible to school. Amen. And uh, I'm sure you that are homeschoolers, you will have your Bible at school, but uh, there's some people that need to take a stand. Okay. Well, I'm going to preach a very controversial message tonight, uh, but I think it's a very needed message on how to prevent mass murders. How to prevent mass murders. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, a lot of people are crying for gun control. A lot of people are uh, now, <clears throat> uh, we're going to live in a different world where you go in a motel, you're going to have to go through metal detectors. And uh, this probably could change a lot of things. Uh, by the way, 50 years ago, this would have never happened. <clears throat> I will tell you why. Because people honored the Lord's Day so much uh, that they would have never been that many people out of church. I'm not saying anything about who was shot down and why and where, but I want to tell you something. The safest place to be on the Lord's Day is in the house of God. I'm convinced of that. I'm just convinced of it. And uh, it could happen in here. <clears throat> and we have uh, uh, security. That's not the answer. We have uh, uh, politics. That's not the answer. I believe that the chapter 3 of 2 Timothy tells us the answer to prevent these things. And I was thinking about this and praying over this chapter. I was going to preach on missions, but I'm sure that Brother Dean Hamby will cover it thoroughly. And I, I was going to go to Philippians chapter 4 about uh, missions. The Lord changed it after this tr awful tragedy. But I was thinking about they're really searching in a lot of things about the motive. And I want to tell you something. When you're demonic, you don't have to have a motive. You're full of the devil. All he wants to do is try to slay uh, people and devour and divide and deceive. It's just evil manifested. But as I thought about it, Brother Steve, I thought about they're checking the Internet. They're checking um, uh, a lot of things, his friendships. They were checking his um, background. They're checking his daddy, uh, the heritage there. And I thought about that's what we need to check as parents. And I want to preach just a few minutes on how to raise a godly child in the, in the essence and then also how to prevent a mass murder. I'm not saying any of your children would ever be a mass murderer, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that sin will take you a lot lower than ever thought it would. It'll hurt you a lot more. You'll pay a lot more, and you'll stay a lot longer than you intended to. And I guarantee you, a lot of those people got saved in that jail never thought they'd be in jail. And so um, I want to preach a little bit on how to prevent. But I want to also remind you this, and I hope, that you, I hope this has encouraged you to realize this, the Lord's coming soon. Amen? He's just coming soon. Iniquity shall abound. But when you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll try to read the whole chapter, and I'll preach this for a few minutes. I won't preach to 8.30, I promise you, um, because I won't let you out. But um, I want you to look at particularly verse 1 through 9, 
and then we'll go on down maybe and try to read all 17 verses. Let's stand on the Word of God. The Bible says to know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, every learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now listen very closely now. This is how to prevent a lot of trouble in your family's life. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they which proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest in all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known by doctrine, matter of purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, um, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what, what persecutions I endured. Paul speaking to young Timothy. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Thank God. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and, and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue, here's a text, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now skip down to verse 8 of the next chapter, or verse 7. It says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for good attendance tonight. I thank you, dear Lord, for uh, these folks coming at this hour of need for our country to pray, and God, to pray for not only our missionaries that are sent out of here, but dear God, for, for each other, as we have to live in such a wicked and perilous time as we've been heartbroken over all these young mothers and children and teenagers, men and uh, people just, just, just mowed down ruthlessly and, and viciously. Uh, Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help our nation to come back to you through these tragedies. I thought 911 was going to do it, but dear God, we're back to what we used to be. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to realize that uh, politics is not the answer, security is not the answer, education is not the answer, but God, the answer is you. Coming back to an old-fashioned reverence and belief in thee, God-fearing people. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd help us now as we preach a few minutes on these last days and what we can do to raise our children up 
to be men and ladies of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul summed it up. The closing days of the church age is pregnant with doom. And he said that it would be perilous times. I want you to look at those two words, perilous times. That means heavy, difficult, hard to bear, hard to understand, and even dangerous. The only other use of this word is in Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 28, when he described the demonic Gadarean maniac that was streaking through a country graveyard and lost his sense of sensibility and decency and dignity, streaking through a country graveyard, and he said that he was exceedingly fierce, exceedingly fierce. These perilous times have come, and Paul lists at these end events, uh, summarizing the following, he saw a a world controlled by, number one, people without character. People without character. Paul saw the people without character. Look at verse 2. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient, uh, good night alive, blasphemers, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy. Now look at all those vicious descriptions of covetousness and and lovers of themselves and disobedient to parents right in the middle of it. And unthankful. Folks, we live in a day and age where people are striving for, for a sense of, um, of contentment. And nobody seems to be contented that's out of the will of God. I don't care what kind of situation you have, how much money you might have. You know, uh, th- this, this is a wicked and, 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 and terrible uh, sins that's rampant. Look at this, without natural affection. Now, folks, I'm telling you something. In, uh, in the old days and in Bible days, uh, homosexuality was abomination to God, and it still is. Still is. Uh, not loving your children is abomination to God. Not children obeying their parents. And God took it serious when he said that kids ought to obey their parents, and if they were rebellious, they wouldn't live long. It was making a statement that God's serious about Deuteronomy chapter 6 and establishing a nation. Uh, Genesis chapter 18 said that Abraham would establish a great nation because he ruled his family. Family's always preeminent in, in, in everything that God plans. And so we see, first of all, uh, they, uh, under this people with no character, their supreme concern was for self, love for self. You know, the human heart is selfish. A healthy society teaches children to be well-mannered and respectful of a person and properties and others. And I believe we ought to teach children that they're not, it's not about them. It's about God's glory that they're created, and they ought to be under proper authority. And I want to say this, friend. Uh, you can try to curve a lot of things, but I want to tell you something. That maniac, that demonic maniac, was firing all those guns in a no-gun zone but it was a sin zone called Las Vegas. And I'm not saying that's the reason it happened. Some of y'all real touchy about this thing, and don't wear your feelings on your shoulders, but I'm going to tell you this, friend. They were in, it was in, the nickname of that town is Sin City. And they were in a no-gun zone, but they were in a lot of sin going on around there. I'm not saying God judged through this idiot, but I'm saying, friend, that uh, folks, the best place to be on Sunday night is in the house of God, in the will of God. And I tell you what, I guarantee you that is the place where you have to die to self and say, I'm going to go worship God 
no matter what because my church is having church and this is the place to be. Our society encourages self-love and no discipline. Sometimes I go so in, a lot of times I go so in. This Saturday, I hope I feel like going, but if I don't feel like going, I'm going anyway. How many went to work this week, didn't feel like going? Amen, all this sinuses going around, you know, and all this stuff going on, and you overate Sunday and all kinds of stuff. You want to sleep in Sunday morning, but you know something? Every one of you probably got up and went to a place of employment. You, you know, uh, we got no discipline. We got curve grading system. And we got prisoners' rights. Amen. I want to tell you something, friend. It's not a holiday in there. In they're in there for a reason. Amen. Uh, Brother Larry's a firm believer in that don't baby prisoners. Amen. Just get the gospel to them. Amen. They want a widescreen TV and they want a private showers and they want uh, a spa. They probably want somebody to come in and do their fingernails. But I'm telling you, friend, it's an undisciplined society. Uh, somebody called it a lost generation. You know, a police chief said, a generation that holds nothing sacred. A police chief said this, a generation addicted to drugs, given to self-indulgence, disrespectful of the law, and totally without regard for social values. In other words, he described the kind of end-time generation described in this, in this, in this book. Uh, folks, listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, it shocked me that John Hinckley, Jr. was acquitted um, and how far we have gone in allowing human selfishness to go unchallenged in our society. The man put a bullet in the stomach of a secret servant agent, a bullet in the neck of a police officer, and a bullet in the body of the President Reagan. And yet he was pronounced not guilty on all 13 counts of assault, attempted murder, and weapons offense. A Wyoming lawyer called the acquittal by the reason of insanity Proof that Americans are a people of law and compassion. One juror that Hinckley was a sick white boy looking for someone to love him. Why did he do it? He wanted to prove his love for a movie star. And it was, it's hard to think of a more callous act and more selfish act of trying to take three lives, including our president. And so there's a self-love going around. People without character just love themselves and nobody better get in the way. Then number two, there's a lust for wealth. The Bible says not only lovers of their own selves, it says covetousness. Folks, love for self and love for money are born twins. Amen. The Bible says you shouldn't live to get rich because the riches will fly away with wings. Amen. You ought to live for God's glory. That's all right to have money as long as money don't have you. All you rich people take a sigh of relief right there. Amen. Uh, all you rich people don't leave. Uh, but, you know, friend, listen, you can't live to be rich. Old-fashioned idea of working and saving for what we want has been abandoned. Our love of money and things that money can, uh, can buy has saddled millions of Americans with a hopeless burden. And people do everything. That man's daddy was a psychopathic bank robber. I don't think he had a home life. And, you know, he could have still done it with being a preacher's son. But I'm just saying, friend, uh, we can really prevent a lot of things if we'll start young in our training of our children. Amen. And I'm not saying you, your child's going to be a bank robber, but I want him to be a happy married person. I want to I see him be a great church member. I want to see him glorify God or he or she. I'm just saying I want to see him turn out right for God. Amen. I want to see my children turn out right for God. I want them to... 
I want them to glorify God. Nowhere in our society is it better illustrated than with uh, popular music of this age. How this generation has, has, has grown up without the hymns. Now they're even trying to kick them out of church. It won't happen in this church. We're going to stay rock solid, old fashioned. Amen. Our generation is given to birth of, of uh, you know, rock and roll, hard rock, punk, heavy metal. It's wicked. The music of the day is filled with contempt towards human life and even society. The music of this generation is defiant, it's blasphemous, it's proud, and, and, uh, and it's gripped with despair. Listen to the lyrics sometimes. And the, and the artists are not artists. They're pitiful. They're pitiful. They're five or six times married, a bunch of drug addicts, and people worship these guys and girls. Folks, it glorifies sin and rebellion. It's wrong music. They scream in the face of God. It's relentless beat hammers the message of the depths of the human heart that's went astray. Even the names of, of these music groups, Sex Pistol, Metallica, Grateful Dead, not people that went to heaven either. Limp Biscuit, God help us. A Limp Biscuit ought to be one that has too much gravy on it. Say amen. Come on. What kind of name is that? These groups um, uh, are adulterous, wicked groups. I'm not referring to anything about the country concert that these poor victims that I'm talking about in general, the stuff we listen to. Garbage in, garbage out. Sting, Motley Crue. That's really good. Why don't you join the Motley Crue, son? Oh, you ought to be a Motley Crue member. I hope my son has a little higher admonition than that, say amen. He's not going to be a Motley Crue. Backstreet Boys. Why not God Street Boys? You know, Dixie Chicks. Dixie's okay, but the chicks ain't, amen. <laughs> God help us. We might as well laugh a little bit. This is pathetic. Smash Mouth. Uh, goo Goo Dolls. God help us. And, and, and Brother Randy can tell us five or six more. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Boastful. Proud. Come on now. Blasphemer. Sums up the music of today. You might not like that. Your kids ain't going to like that. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. You ought to fill them with God, Christ-honoring music. Brother Larry, what did rock and roll music do for you? You die for the, your, your little jacket with all those symbols on it and all that stuff. Thank God you didn't get tattoos or you could never get rid of them. Amen? But he had a jacket he'd, he'd kill over. Blue jean jacket with all these patches and everything. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to offend this deacon right over here, just put some rock and roll music in your car when you get in. That's what happened when he rode with me. Not, not really, not really, not really, not really. I'm only kidding. Keeping a little light, I'm fixing to hammer down. But I want to tell you something. Anything close to rock and roll music offends this guy right here because he knows what it got him into. He knows how it fed his mind and corrupted his mind. And he's offended by anything close to it and I thank God for a deacon like that because I agree with him. We don't want to get close to the world in here. Now, we're not going to be obnoxious, and we're not going to kick people in the rear when they get in here. We're going to love them, but I want to tell you something. We're not compromising with the world. And these groups, that are, uh, these churches growing by the thousands in theaters and stuff, they can have it. They can have it. 
But folks, I feel sorry for anybody that wants the world in the sanctuary because the sanctuary is set aside for worship. Say amen. Can I get that off my chest? The, mass, the masses love it. They invest millions of dollars to imitate it and worship the composers. Performers are multi-multi-millionaires of this violence and abuse. The words of their song glorify sex, hate, drugs. They attack patriotism, decency, respect. And they sell moral uh, uh, purity, yet these boastful, proud, and abusive words strike a deep chord of response in the soul of this generation. Now, folks, you wonder why things are going wrong. You wonder why things are so sinful and so violent. Garbage in, garbage out. You hear it enough, you want to perform it. I guarantee you this guy was in some ungodly music and probably ungodly videos, porn and everything else. They'll find all that out. But I want to tell you something, friend. <clears throat> I'm not here to preach just about him. I'm telling you the general attitude of this last days tell me we're in the last days. That's the only thing I can smile about tonight. I want to just stay home and cry. And weep and pray. The only thing I can smile about is Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Look at this. Verse 2. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Is that not the truth in these last days? Covetousness, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and I guess it sums it up, unholy. Apostle Paul saw the attack on the family and the home life in the last days. Folks, the soaring divorce rate should concern you. You that's been divorced, you ought to rebuild your life by God's grace and have a covenant relationship with who you're with. Not promoting or kicking anybody today. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. My prayer is for these young people that's never been married to marry right and to marry righteous and to marry holy. And that's why I taught my girls all the time. The way you catch a guy is the way you've got to keep a guy. So catch him spiritually. That sounds like the uh, men are running. Uh, the women are running after the men, but you know what I mean by catch. Marry, right. And I want to say this, <clears throat> parents, you have the responsibility to approve every friend of your child. What they listen to, how much time they spend on the computer, and who they date. Oh no. You know, they're 16, they got to learn to make decisions on their own. No, they don't. Because they're not able to yet. They'll be infatuated by that guy that can run a football across a goal line. That get, treats, mistreats everybody at school. That's a heathen. Because he's most popular, the heathen. And then your girl's attracted to him. You need to say, no, you're not going to date him. That's what you need to say. You say, oh, no, no, no. All right, then uh, listen. You listen to the divorce court proceedings and you also listen to the heartache when she's living by herself and that bozo's being unfaithful to somebody with somebody else. It's either now or later. Say amen. I know this is blunt, but I ain't got time to play around. Amen. I'm telling you, we need to be parents with some authority based on the Word of God and love them to death. Amen. Just love them. Praise God. Love the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I mean, just, 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 if you had to do it over again, wouldn't you do it different? And I think you'd be a little more strict. Amen. Praise God. And I think you'd be a little more holy because you know what your 
inconsistency and your unfaithfulness did when your children were at a formative age and you regret it deeply. I'm not trying to preach down on you. I'm just saying the opportunity of a lifetime is to bring up a child when he's young and have some godly standards and bring them to an independent fundamental church that has some standards. Or you can take them to the rock concert downtown if you want to, but they're not going to get the standards of the Bible. And matter of fact, they're not even going to have the Bible preached to them. It's going to be a perversion of the Bible. Amen. Now you say, what you mad at? I'm mad at the devil. <laughs> Amen. I ain't mad at y'all. I love y'all. Y'all the best I got to come on Wednesday night because nobody else will come. I thought the church would be full after that tragedy. But that's okay. Thank you for coming. Towards parents, unthankful. People today are shacking. That's adultery. That's fornication. Folks, listen, parents are wringing their hands with the lifestyles chosen by their children. And I want to tell you something. The TV is not the built-in babysitter either. They need time of talking and loving. And we need to get back to the supper table and the rocking chairs on the front porch. <laughs> Amen. I don't even have a front porch. I'm preaching. Amen. I got a back deck. Amen. But you need to spend time with your children. You need to, hey, listen, without time, your marriage is stuck. And without time, your children are left to the popular wave of opinion, and you don't want them to go there. Amen. Because they'll make some tragic mistakes. I got criticized a lot for being so strict with my children. Never, they never saw a senior prom. Never saw it. Never. Boy, I got, I got ridiculed. I mean, I had some people in our church leave. You're too strict on your son, your daughter. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I like the way they turned out. I'm not being hyper-spiritual. Super. I'd probably gave in if it wasn't for, for Connie, but no, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I hope I wouldn't. Praise God. Why did I say that? I mean, I think there ought to be a conviction who your kids hang around. I think there ought to be a conviction who their best friends are. But I think you ought to get them in the house of God where they love godliness. Amen. This hurts, I know, but friend, listen. We've got we to turn something around here. Sometimes an 18-year-old in America has spent over 22,000 hours in their formative years watching TV. That's far, far too much. That's more, that's more time they spent in school. So, you know, whatever's going strong there is going to be... Going strong in your life. And I know that you can't turn it off, but you sure can. TV brainwashes. It's been exposed to a life of fantasy, violence, sex, drinking, amusement. Friend, at least turn the channel. At least go with my wife to those Hallmark love stories all the time. Praise God. Do something. You know, uh, get away from that junk. Amen? Listen, you watch Grey's Anatomy, and it's a bunch of lesbians. You know it's the truth. That's your favorite program. I know I made you mad. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, friend. It's, it's a bunch of lesbians, and they're promoting it. Nurses kissing each other. God, help us not to get used to the darkness. Number one programs today, public school kicks the Bible out, kicks prayer out, and we fold our hands and say, well, I guess that's part of a good education. No, it's not. A good education is the Word of God. Fearing God, putting God first. I don't apologize for that. I ran our vehicles 
ragged trying to get them up to Tennessee Christian Academy. Two or three trips a day. Brother Jim, you know, you know where that place is. I think you graduated there. But I want to tell you something, friend. That wasn't easy. It had been a lot easier just to say, you know, praise God, just fend on your own. Folks, not only the attitude towards family, but towards other people. Look at verse 3. Without natural affections, truce breakers. And then I want to show you false accusers. Listen, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then that last word in verse 2 just rings, I can't, I can't skip it, unholy. There's no reverence anymore. There's no reverence. I know you think that I came out of the Stone Age and that I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I drove a T-model to school, but I'm not that old. But I'll tell you something, in the old days, there was more respect for God. There was more respect for God's day, and there was more respect for God's man and God's place called the church. There was more respect. I think we got away from that. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's almost like you can go to church like a glimmed concert. And you can go to church and jump up and down with no shirt on, with J-E-S-U-S on put. Listen, that's all right at a soccer game. I saw it last night. I like enthusiasm. You know, I mean, go wild, like college atmosphere, as long as it's decent and, you know, wholesome and you're for Atlanta. You know, it's good, you know. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, friend, I, this, this ain't no ball game. And, this is, and listen, listen, friend, uh, we need to show respect for the house of God. You need to teach your children this is a special place. Amen? This is a special place. It's a special word. It's a special person preaching. It's a man of God. It's a special position. It's a special music. It's just special. So we're going to treat it special when we come. We're going to be here on time. We're going to be here energetic. We're going to be here leaning forward. We're going to be here taking notes. We're going to be here saying amen. We're going to be here letting it change our life. There's no reverence. Then there's no regard. Without natural affection, truce breakers. Folks, I won't go into it, but my heart's been broken over this drug epidemic in Dalton. The opiate epidemic's up there in Northeast, but I think there's a crack and cocaine and methamphetamine, meth addiction in Dalton, Georgia. I believe it. And I've seen people lose their home, their career, their jobs, their life, their daughter and their granddaughter in the same time, same time, uh, same funeral home. I preached a man's funeral, his daughter's funeral, and his granddaughter's funeral in the womb because of meth. Got out of church, stopped respecting God's day, got him a little boat, went to the lake every morning, took his children with him, and then got out of church completely. He OD'd, Haley watched him OD, and then she was down at a party in Calhoun, Georgia, and those vultures took her when she OD'd and put her in the, her own car at the armory and let her die and her baby die in her womb on a cold Saturday night. Now, where was, where was her friends? They were back at the party saying, I hope she makes it. 
day that that started was when Jeff said, I'll miss Sunday school. And I won't come back on Wednesday night. And then I'll miss Sunday night. And then no matter how many times you knock on my door, I will not come back because I'm having fun on the Lord's day. That hurts. And you don't think it was hard to preach all three of their, their funerals, but it all started when they left their first love. I, I'm explicit as I can be to warn you parents, don't neglect the opportunity of a lifetime when they're small, when they're young. That's the hope of curving this mass murder facade, this demonic time, um, this this. Let's search out and find a motive. I'll tell you what the motive was. The motive was he was full of himself and full of the devil. And it didn't happen overnight. I hold his parents responsible. You say, well, if parents did the best they could, then it's, they're not responsible. That's true. But his parents was a psychopathic bank robber on the FBI wanted list, top ten for many years. That's not the way to raise a child. And so it starts with parents. And then there's no restraint. Look at verse 3. Without natural affection, false accusers, incontinent. Incontinent means this, not having power or command over a thing. It's a Latin equivalent would be uh, you cannot control, without power or command of your passions, your desires. It's unbridled violence. It's unbridled lust. That's incontinent. So in the last days, there'll be a lot of incontinency. <clears throat> and look, folks, listen. 30 years ago, the Intelligence Digest warned that the Russians were preparing to wage a subversive warfare on the world by means of training and, and dedicating sodomites, homosexuals, to do not... They do not re reproduce. They said they were recruited. It's estimated that in the U.S. alone there are 25 million adults who are predominantly homosexuals. And they're adopting children. Good, godly Christian couples can't adopt children without going through the Supreme Court and then they're giving them to same-sex marriages. Gay Pride Week is honored. Folks, it's um, incontinent. It's without natural affection. And then fierce. I know this hurts, but it's the truth. Fierce. The Greek word translated fierce describes an aspect of the last days that needs uh, probably no, no comment, but I'll comment. It means terrorist. It means terrorism. It means to bring terror, hijacking planes, bombing federal buildings, hospitals, airports, schools, terror and their weapons. Um, there's over 170 terrorist groups that's estimated active in the world today. Terrorists are becoming better equipped with uh, anti-tank guns and uh, French air-to-ground missiles and um, chemical warfare, biochemical weapons, terrorism. So last days, every time you hear, and everybody wanted this guy to be a terrorist, and that would, you know, take it off America. I want to tell you something, friend. The devil is bringing havoc to our homes. And we need to come back to God. We need to come back to prayer. We need to come back to revival. 
We need to come back to our children and say, you're important enough for me to say no. And then people without convictions, look at verse 3. It says, without natural affections, despisers are those that are good. And then look at this, verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Millions of people go to ball games on Sunday and they don't go to church. That's not right. That's not right. The stadium should not be full of people on Sunday. Churches ought to be full of people on Sunday. I'm not saying that's the answer of the world. We empty all the stadiums. But I want to tell you something, friend. we got a lot of things going on on the Lord's Day that used to not be important. You know, Walmart's parking lot's full, fuller on Sunday than any other time. He said, I knew you were going to preach against shopping on Sunday. I didn't say that. You did. But, folks, listen. There's a false principle here. Ruled by wickedness. Despisers of those that are good. Folks, why can't a politician mention God? Why can't we request? I wish uh, Mr. Trump would have said, I think we ought to proclaim a day of prayer and fasting for our nation. Say amen. I mean, that's what he should have done, but he's got to be politically correct and say, you know, everybody's doing great, and please pray. Now, we ought to say, hey, listen, we need to get back to God, and I need to start it by being in church every Sunday. Amen. Rude by the wiles, verse 4, of the devil. Pleasures more than lovers of God. Rude by willfulness. Heady, high-minded, headlong, restless, carrying the idea of just going forth with all the gusto you got and not caring a rip about anything. It's estimated that $140 billion is spent on drugs per year in the United States. It's nothing for one of them to post a million-dollar bond, these drug pushers, and then walk away laughing. How much money they're making off our teenagers, and now it's adults. 15 million Americans smoke pot regularly. PCP, angel dust. Millions of professors have their own drugs and cocaine as they teach our young people in these higher learning facilities. Their foremost passion in verse 4 is this, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, folks, listen. Sunday used to be the Lord's Day, and now amusement, which means don't think, amuse, don't think, is a $6 billion business a year. Movie attendance alone takes $1 billion a year in income. It's nothing for a new movie to have millions and millions of dollars on the first show of it. And they try to outnumber the next millions and millions of dollars that our young people run and spend to watch something that probably has no eternal value. Am I, am, I, am I telling the truth? It's not an easy message to preach, but i got to preach it straight. In, in homes, TV sets are kept on an average of six hours a day. Thousands of people are jammed national parks a year on weekends. Americans drive uh, an estimate of 350 million billion year, miles a year in pursuit of pleasure. Thrills and chills. <laughs> Five billion dollars is spent on video games in America per year. And I want to tell you something. Last time I checked, not many of those video games are nonviolent. 
They're ripping up people, blood slinging everywhere, shooting people. I don't want my kids to be hypnotized by that junk. Say amen. I don't want them to think that's glamorous. That what? It, listen, I used to have Lincoln logs when I was a kid. We'd build cabins and say, Abraham Lincoln built that, praise God. Amen? We'd play in the dirt with two straws and a doodle bug, praise God, and thought, thought we had it made. We, even did, we played marbles. I never figured that game out. Why do we need multi-billion dollar video games to entertain our kids on big screen TVs? Better watch what they're playing. It might not be a good game when it comes out in the wash. Generation addicted on pleasure, but God says in Revelation 4.11 that you're created for His pleasure. Amen. In one year, America spent $16 billion, million, billion dollars on amusement. $10.5 billion on alcohol, $5 billion for tobacco, $2 billion with a B for travel, $325 million for cat and dog food. I'm not saying go home and starve your dogs. $304 million on chewing gum. $76 million for lipstick. <laughs> I didn't know that stuff was that expensive. But during the same period, the grand total reported to have been given for foreign missions by all Protestant, quote-unquote, and Baptist churches. We're not Protestant. We never came out of the Catholic Church. It, uh, uh, foreign missions, the total is $145 million. That's less than one-half of what America spends on chewing gum. Why isn't God blessing America? Then there's false professions, and I'll get to the end of this, verse 5, you said, I wish you would. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Folks, we just need to be real. You need to have the same joy at your home as you do here. You need to have the same standards and convictions at home that you do here. You need to have the same allegiance and reverence for God at home as you do here. Amen. You don't, you don't allow cussing and Slapping back and fussing, it's just not, it wouldn't be appropriate in this room. Well, it's not appropriate in your home either. Amen. And some people live that way. People without conscience, number three. People without conscience. Did I skip number two? Go ahead, brother. Let's go through this quick. People without character. But people without conscience. Look at verse six. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive Silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also that resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Folks, they're vileness, vileness. They creep. They worm their way in in the cloak of truth. That's what cults do. Go up Doug Gap Road, you'll see a lot of cults. They don't even believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe He's a created being. They're victims. They, they're, they're victims of, of foolish, gullible people. I saw a post the other day. I've got to get off Facebook. I really do. It was a, it was a post by a lady that said, you, you ain't seen nothing until you see in Dalton, Georgia, the Bible that eludes oil, that real oil comes out of it. And this guy's setting up downtown, and you can come now and see the anointing oil I literally oozed, and they had the Bible and some oil 
in a bucket. And people were raving over that, saying, boy, this is real. This, is, this has got healing to it. I want to tell you something, folks. That is low-rating and desecrating the Word of God because the oil is the Holy Spirit. You know, and I could do that. Just put a vial in the, the doggone uh, binder there and just squeeze a little bit and some oil is going to come out. And people are saying, boy, this is great. It's a movement down in Atlanta and, and th- down in Valdosta. And now it's come to Dalton. And, and a preacher in the fellowship said, boy, I heard y'all had the oily Bible. I said, oh, we have a holy Bible. We don't have no oily Bible. And he was trying to make fun of Dalton. I said, hey, you got him in every city. But I won't tell you what's so sad. I know that lady personally, and she's being deceived and promoting that this is a anointing oil, eluding, actual oil eluding, and it's and they contain it, and then you touch it and it heals you. Their vanity, their values. But I want to get to the positive side in the next two minutes. <laughs> Set the platform. I wish I had another Wednesday to preach this. But here's the hope for America. Here's the hope in the last days. And that is found in verse 12. Excuse me. It says in verse 10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, matter of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, affliction. He's talking to young Timothy. I said, I've set the example. I want to tell you what's the hope. People without conscious, yes, people without, uh, you know, any kind of parameters about God, but I want to tell you what the hope is. What the answer is, parents and preachers who will continue. Continue in what? Going to the uh, uh, sixth slide, Brother Joel, or whoever's doing that. Continue in the Word. Look at verse 14. This is right in the middle of a, I mean, it's a hard chapter to preach and even read. Folks, listen, in verse 14, here's a ray of light. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In other words, you're going to be, look like an oddball in these last days. But look at this. But evil men and seducers shall whack worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And here's the key. And the, that form a child... It says that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He's saying in this bleak and dark perilous times somebody has got to continue in the word of God. Amen. What a blessing. And the scriptures are learned from their grandmama and their mama. Lois and Eunice chapter 1. Folks, listen. It says, From a child thou hast learned the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's God breathed. I don't know about you, but I want my children to have the breath of God on their life. I want my children to have a perspective of life that's different. I want them to be a light in a dark world. I want them to continue in the Word no matter what. No matter how much they're made fun of, no matter how much it's not popular, I want them to continue in what they've learned from a child. Right in the middle of this dark chapter, he says, Don't forget, Timothy, 
what you learn from your grandmama and your mama. Chapter 1, verse 5, their names are Lois and Eunice. We have a Lois in here, we don't have a Eunice. But I want to tell you something, friend. A grandmama and a mama makes a difference in a child's life. Amen? Mamas, let me challenge you to do this. Continue in the Word. And continue in the parameters and the guidelines and the standards. And don't give me this, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say. And set the example. Live for God. And then we ought to be committed to the work of God. The Bible says, it says it's all given by inspiration of God. It's proper doctrine for proof for correction. For instruction in righteousness, that means what is right, what is not right, how to stay right, and how to, how to continue to be right. That's the Word of God. But then it says, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You ought to be committed to the work of God. That's why I'm going out soul winning Saturday morning. It's the only hope people have. Jesus Christ. The gospel promotes heart control. Heart controls what we need. A sinner is going to get a weapon if he has to use a truck to kill people. And it has been known in France, people mowed down by a truck. They're going to get knives. They're going to get, I mean, I know we ought to be, you know, conscious of safety. And I know we ought to have security. And I know we ought to have some restraints. But praise God, what we need is people's hearts to come back to God. And the Bible tells me in this verse, Grandmama and Mama, you start it. Daddy, I don't know where you're at. I hope you're right in there too. Amen. It's wonderful to have a Christian home. It's wonderful to teach the children the Word of God every day in the home or wherever you're at. There's five ways to help your children walk in truth. Go ahead and skip to the last one. I'm going to give you this because I believe Brother Jason's handing this out tonight in the youth room. Number one, have a spiritual relationship with your children. Number two, I mean a relationship. Know your children's friends. Well, I think that's a little restrictive. Hey, mama, daddy, be mom and daddy, not best friend. But you ought to be their best friend too. But folks, I want to tell you something. When it comes to push, shove, you need to tell them, hey, I don't think that's right. Why do you think he's checking, they're checking out this, this demonic man's friends and relationships? Flying her back from the Philippines today. Know your children's friends. They will be like their friends. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fews shall be destroyed. Number three, watch their social media. It sure is easy for somebody to creep into your child's mind by the way of a computer today and a text. Amen. That's right. You got to watch it. And I'd say, well, I, I don't want to intrude in their privacy. And I want to tell you something. They need somebody to know what their intake is. And they need to know that you know and that you care. And there's a way of doing it by not slapping them around, but being, being concerned and being loving. And set the rules when they're two years old. Amen. You wait till they're 15 and you're going to have a battle on your hands. You say, I don't believe in all this. Well, how's your children turning out? How, how's their happiness? How's their marriages? 
You say, you shouldn't say that. I'm going to tell you something. I'm saying it for the younger generation. We need to get serious about this, this uh, raising our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that means discipline. You know what discipline is? It's teaching them that the wage of sin is worse than the pleasure of sin. Say so, amen. The consequences of sin is so bad. But folks, we can curve that by saying, hey, listen, that's wrong, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be disciplined for that. And set the rules and be consistent. What do we do? Oh, I never spanked my child. Well, you're going against seven admonitions of Proverbs. And the Bible says they'll shame their mother. And you'll send them to hell. That's what the Bible says, Proverbs 23, 15. You know why? Because they'll never respect this Bible. They'll never respect the authority. They'll never respect anybody. And they'll come waltzing in this church, and they won't respect the Word of God. And therefore, if they don't believe the Word, they won't believe the Lord, and they won't go to heaven. It's serious. There's a great lesson for the wage of sin is death. And I don't say you ought to kill your kids. And I don't think you ought to you know, spank them uh, the wrong way, you know, get a shoe and hit them in the head or something. God created a proper place to discipline your children. But it ought to always be with grieving and with love and concern and prayer. And if you go through that ritual, you won't have to do it many times. Amen. I got a whole lesson on how to discipline your children. I teach young couples. Watch their social media. You'd be surprised how many teenage boys get into pornography as a teenagers, and then they take their, take their girl out on a date. And I'm going to tell you something. they got one thing in mind when they do that because it's in their mind. Number four, be involved with the authorities in their life. Amen. Take the teacher out to lunch. Get to know their authorities. Hey, go to church with them. Don't send them. Amen? Check out the youth pastor. Make sure he's got good morals and his wife's got good morals. Amen? Come on now. And then last but not least, this hasn't been a fun message, but I ain't up here to have fun. I'm up here to help you and love you and warn you that we can start young with our children and they can turn out right develop character, develop respect, have eternal values for their life. Isn't that wonderful? Last but not least, set the right example. I'm going to tell you something. The way to train up a child the way he should go, walk that way first. Amen. And I will tell you, especially when they're young, especially when they're young, praise God, don't miss the opportunity of the formative years, one to seven. They're learning a whole lot about character and God and, and attitude and respect and authority. And, you know, we just sort of let them go and we might see them a couple hours a day. That ain't God's plan. God's plan is to invest your life into protecting them and loving them and guiding them and directing them by example. Now, I wish I'd have preached this when all the young couples were in here, but maybe y'all can just pass it on. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. For this great chapter, Lord, my heart stirred up and I just couldn't preach just a little old message today about whatever you laid on my heart. I had to share my heart. And Lord, it's broken. And God, I just know with all my heart the devil's trying to short circuit and snuff out families right and left, even in this church. And Lord, we pray for revival that begins in the home. We pray for family love. 
family values that are your values, and it's your love. God, help us to realize that in the midst of such a dark, dismal, perilous days, Paul sets the example and then admonishes Timothy. Don't forget what you learned from your mama and your grandmama. And Lord, please help us to be that kind of parent. In Jesus' name.